You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Hey, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Brian Wilson, and uh, I'm so happy to be with you today. We've been going through this Summer of Love series here at Garden City, and uh, the passage we're going to look at today is from 1 John chapter 4. Let's read that together, and then we'll pray. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to look at your word and see how it applies to our lives. And God, our prayer today is that we would become more loving. As we read it, as we interact with with your word, God, help us to become more loving, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, even when it doesn't make any sense, because that's the commandment you've given us. And we want to love you and love others. And we pray this today in your name. Amen. So it's difficult to recap and restate all the things that we've heard uh, in this last month about love. Uh, There are so many great nuggets of truth that we have heard over the last few weeks. And today, I just want to try and add to the conversation a little bit based on this section of 1 John and maybe recap and and just wrap up uh, some of the things that that John has argued and he's some of the ideas he said about love. He isn't necessarily saying anything radically new here in this section in chapter four, but what he's doing is he's boiling down, he's drilling down and summarizing some of his earlier points and then, and then wrapping up. Plus, how can I just spend a few minutes with you and recap what love even means, right? How we can love and how we might love others. Uh, So we have to move pretty quickly and see what we can learn today. Back in week number one, Sarah talked about diagnostic tools like a car and some markers or diagnostics about love. And I wanna use a similar framework today to help us understand what John is trying to help us understand about love. 
And that is the image of a dashboard gauge, right? Like a speedometer or an RPM gauge uh, on your dashboard. I have a truck, right? And I can scroll through all these different things to look at on my dashboard. Things like tire pressure or oil temperature, or even the slope of the hill that I might be parked on. And today I wanna begin with this idea, is that love is a gauge or a set of gauges. In fact, I might argue the most or one of the most important gauges that we have on our spiritual life is love. John argues here that love is the thing we must pay attention to the most. If we are loving and growing in love, then we are in the place that God wants for us to be. And if we aren't loving and or we're not growing in love, then then we're not in the place where God wants us to be. And so we use this idea of love as a dashboard gauge. And it's certainly not the only one, but it's a very important one that we must pay attention to. And the reason that we need a framework or an image like a dashboard is because love is a really abstract concept. On a scale of abstract ideas in the Bible, love is is right at the top. And here's how that works, right? We're given commands or concepts in the Bible. Some are very clear or easy to understand. And we would say those are low on the abstract scale. Let me give you a couple of examples. For example, uh, the third commandment, right? says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's a pretty low concept on the abstract scale. We understand pretty easily what that means. You hit your thumb with a hammer and you want to say that phrase that comes into your mind, right? The commandment makes it clear that we're not supposed to use God's name in an inappropriate way. He doesn't really spend a lot of time explaining why, but he does tell us we're not supposed to do that. He just tells us it's it's outside of the lines. That's pretty low on the abstract scale. We're not supposed to do that. Not a tough concept to understand, right? However, for example, in Mark chapter 12, someone asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he says, there's two. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So then we have a commandment, actually a a bunch of commandments there, and they're so much higher on the abstract scale. We need help to understand what's being asked of us, right? We read that, and then we have tons of questions. And so like today, we need a rubric, a framework for what that means. How do we love? Is this a feeling of love or is it an action of love? right? How often do I love my neighbor? (laughs) Can I sometimes not love my neighbor? Who even is my neighbor? Is my annoying cousin my neighbor? What about my boss? How often do I have to love like this? Or how on earth could I even accomplish that? And so we don't have to time today to go through all of the, the ways that we have to love or all the things that qualify as loving, but I'm trusting you understand what being loving is. Unfortunately, that's a topic we probably need to spend a lot more time on, this concept of biblical love. But today, we just don't have time for that. And this is actually what John does in this passage as well. He doesn't spend a ton of time talking about what love is or what love isn't. He spends a little bit of time talking about what love is not and what some not loving things look like. But he doesn't spend a lot of time and he doesn't make a list of what loving things are. He assumes that we understand that. He does, however, talk about a lot of things that are sacrificial in nature, that love is a sacrifice. And so at the risk of being too brief, I just have one quick definition of love that I heard recently that might help us today. Love is when someone comes to you and says, I've been stealing candy from your secret stash of candy. And you reply by saying, yes, and I left the candy there anyway. I think that's a great definition of love. It's not a perfect definition of love. And there's certainly more things that we could talk about that qualify as loving. But I thought that was pretty helpful to understand what a loving action is. And so John is giving us some clarity throughout the whole book and particularly here. And he's giving us a dashboard gauge to pay attention to as he wraps up his thoughts. 
And so here's the main idea today. If you aren't growing in love, you aren't growing in your faith. Love is this dashboard of our faith. And so let's take a quick look at some things from this passage that John says we must be paying attention to. And here's what he does. Five different times in this passage, he says, this is how you know. And this is kind of like when someone messages you in all caps. You know that crazy person in your life that sends a message to you in all capital letters, like they're yelling at you? This is what John is doing. He says it five different times. This is how we know. And so he's trying to get us to pay attention to these things that he's sharing with us, right? Kind of like your mom on Facebook, right? When she writes in all caps, right? She wants you to pay attention to that. So this is what John is doing for us. So the first thing we have to pay attention to is this. Loving others and growing in love is the evidence that you're connected to God. He says this is evidence that you're born of God, right? And this is where the whole passage begins. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is where he starts with the dashboard. He tells us that God himself is love. And just that idea probably deserves its own sermon series. And there's a lot of theology in this section and repercussions from this idea that we we unfortunately can't even unpack today. But John goes on to help explain himself. And then he gives us two examples and two responses right from the passage. Number one. This is how God showed his love among us. Here's example number one, right? He says, this is how. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And then example two in verse 10, this is love. Here it is, all caps again. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And then he follows up with two responses for us. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That one's pretty clear, pretty low on the abstract scale. No one has ever seen God, but response number two, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So we can only love because God loves us. And not only that, it's because he is love. Did you know that there's nowhere else in the Bible that says God is something like love? It never says God is grace or God is mercy, but it says God is love. This is the core of the gospel of Jesus, that we're loved by a God who sent his son as a sacrifice for us. And that's example number one. And it leads us to response number one. Again, there's a lot to look at there, but it's pretty clear that we're supposed to love because we were first loved. And it's not that we loved God enough. It's not that we tried so hard to love God that that we got him to love us back. It's, It's the opposite of that. It's that he loved us first. Now, There's a lot to take in there. And he makes it a little bit more interesting when he says, what happens when we're not loving? We are compelled to love. And if we don't, John tells us, you don't even know God. Wow. That's important. He wants us to pay attention to that. Now, I'm not making some wild theological jump here, trying to abend the passage to, to tell you what I think about it. It's right here. If you're loving, that comes from God. And if you aren't, you might not even know God. That might be hard to hear even today. And I'm sorry to just jump right in and drop that bomb on you, but it's right here. John's calling us out. And spoiler alert, he's even going to tell us again later in the passage the same thing. And he's going to tell it to us about our own family, but we'll get to that in a minute. And so back to the two examples and two responses. The dashboard gauge that we're supposed to be paying attention to is this. Are we being loving? Are we demonstrating love? And so the follow-up I'm sure you have is, how do we do that? What, is that? what does that look like? 
But we'll get to that in a minute. The second thing he wants us to pay attention to is right at the end of the second section where he says this, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how we know we're living in the life in Christ and he is living in us. It's love. John says, if we're connected to the spirit and confessing Jesus as Lord, this is how we know that we live in him and he lives in us. And here's the facts. Maybe you're better than me at this, but sometimes I stink at loving people, right? Maybe you're a lot better than me or maybe you're in the same boat as me, but sometimes I have a hard time loving people. But John tells us again, in all caps, this is how we do this. We have to watch this gauge. Are we connected to the spirit? Are we filled with the spirit? A truthful confession that Jesus is the son of God and that he was sent by the father to become the savior is the evidence that we're moving in the right direction. And just for some context, in case this kind of seems to come out of left field here, the passage before the one today in John chapter four is all about the spirit. And John is referring back to that as well. Because of the spirit, because of his loving kindness to us, we have the ability to love. Because loving people can be hard sometimes. But if we have that connection to God, we have that spirit that lives in us, we can love people even when it's really tough. And he says this in verse 16, and so we know, caps again, all caps again, and rely on the love God has for us because God is love and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In this next section, John starts to wrap up by asking us this question, how can love be made complete? And he says again, all caps, this is how love is made complete in us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What John is doing, he's making a future and a current argument. Your future is secure because of the love Jesus demonstrated on the cross. We are like Jesus, again, because of the love we show and We don't have to be afraid of the future or the present because love drives out fear. And we have fear of both things, right? We have fear of the current and we have fear of the future. I love what Pastor N.T. Wright says about this. He says, once you learn to give yourself to others as God gave himself to us, there is nothing to be afraid of anymore. And I really love where it says in verse 18 that there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. But often we read that out of context or we stop right there and we don't look at the rest of the verses. But that whole section makes perfect sense when we wrap our heads around all the things John is trying to say to us about love. Finally, John wraps this whole thing up by summarizing everything he said up until now. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. As he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Man, what a finish, right? John doesn't pull any punches here, does he? We have the capacity to love because we are loved by God. If you want to be someone who follows Jesus and you claim to have a relationship with him, but you're not growing in love, John calls you a liar. And I think, and these are my thoughts, I think what John might be trying to say to us here is that you can't be a lover and a hater at the same time. It's just not possible. You might think you can flip the switch, but John disagrees with you. And and I'm not saying that we blunder through life and never pay attention to hard things and have no boundaries and act foolish in love. I'm not saying we just throw around love like candy, but also maybe we should throw our love around like candy. 
what if the thing people said about you was, I'm not sure what's up with her, but she just has a crazy love for everyone around her. Or they say, that guy, man, I don't know what's up with him, but he is truly kind to everyone and goes out of his way to love everyone around him. Why, why the heck not? Why can't we throw our love around like candy? Can, can we tr- try to please, brothers and sisters, can we try to please be known for the things that we love and not the things that we hate? John calls us to a higher standard here. I think Jesus would be pleased with that idea. And I know John would from this passage. Because we aren't made to have this split personality where we love our family and hate our neighbor, where we love our friends and and hate people who might think differently than us or vote differently than us, to love those who are kind to us and hate people that we don't even know. That's not growing in love. That's not following Jesus. And and that dashboard gauge is, is moving the wrong way. John's passage here in chapter four is giving us a gauge to look at. We're growing in love and we're demonstrating love to others, that gauge is moving in the right direction. If, if that's true of your life today, that's awesome. But if it's not, it's time to pay attention to that gauge. It's time to look at that and ask ourselves, how can we grow in love? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word. It encourages us. It convicts us. It shows us truth. It shows us where we might be missing the mark. And today, I just pray, would you bring to mind right now an area of our life, maybe more than an area in our life, maybe a a number of areas in our life where we're not being loving. Would you bring to mind a person who we haven't been loving towards? Would you bring to mind a situation where we didn't demonstrate love? And God, would you convict us of that so we, we can follow you with our whole life? God, bring into our hearts and our minds people that we might need to be more loving towards or a situation where we need to come back and ask for forgiveness and, and act loving. Whatever that might look like in our lives, would you help us grow in love so that we might grow in our faith? And we ask that not because we deserved it or we loved you first, but because you loved us first. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to leave you today with three questions maybe to ask yourself today or during the week or discuss with your group how we can be more loving and maybe some some discussion starters today. Number one, how would you explain the idea of love to someone? And maybe how would you explain the idea of love to a child? Number two, what would a life look like if it were truly loving? And number three, why is it impossible to love God if you don't love your neighbor? I hope you have a great week and I hope you go out and throw your love around like candy this week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message, or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.